listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Uh, This is part two of our series, Now Trending. If you have anything to take notes with, now is your moment to pull that out and uh, check with everything God has. This series is designed to answer the questions that you have about your faith, and we opened it up on Easter Sunday like litter rip. Ask us whatever's on your heart. You came through with so much of that. Last week, we talked about stress. Literally on my way into church, into this room on uh, first service today, I had somebody stop me and we're like, thank you so much, Pastor. It helps so much. I've been listening to it all week long. And I've been talked to online and uh, contacted in so many ways about people that it really helped them to manage stress. And so if you go to newchapel.com slash watch, you can sign up for our podcast there and you can track with any of our past messages. I want to give you an idea of where we're going in this series. Uh, This Uh, Next week, on the 30th of this month, we're going to be talking about family essentials and raising kids. I think it's a big deal that we go into all of that and dive into some of the questions you've had surrounding how to do it in this culture, in this day and age. On May 7th, the first Sunday of uh, next month, we're going to be talking about how to survive the worst moments in life. I have a fresh message that I think is really going to bring freedom uh, to people in the room, uh, but today we're going to be talking about how to handle your spouse. I mean, how to handle difficult people. Uh, it's it's going to be a great message. I think it's going to help people in the room. Uh, speaking of like difficult people, trigger people, crazy makers in our life. This is something that all of us are like a a difficult person. That's a normal part of an everyday, really, in many ways. And there's people who are maybe on the light end of that, and and then in some cases they're a little bit more extreme. Uh, You know, you laughed a little bit because all of our spouses know how to press our buttons. And in fact, ladies, I I get it. I've gone through enough counseling appointments, uh, talking to couples to really understand some of your point of view. But I do want to clear some things up. You think that there's some sort of cabal among men that we got together at some point in history, and we said, okay, here's the deal. We got to do us, and they got to do them. And so we are going to overeat, and we're going to say some obnoxious things. When we burp, it's going to be a contest to see how loud we can make that burp. Uh, We're going to be a little bit emotionally detached from their lives and everybody else's, but uh, what we got to do is we've got to do us. We're going to smell a lot, and we're okay with that. And uh, and, and we're going to act like cavemen, overwatch some TV, we are men. Any ladies curious about whether that meeting ever took place? Um, honest. Uh, and so uh, I, I will tell you this, no such meeting uh, took place, or at least I wasn't invited. But I want to clear some, some things for some men. Because men, you understand that women have some issues too. I mean, they're, they're obviously better off than us. But on behalf of men, ladies, can I just say, do you know how often that you come home And you're like, hey, I need to talk. And we make a huge sacrifice by pausing what we're watching. And we'll like, okay, here we go. And we turn towards you. And here's what happens. You start talking at us. And you're like, and so I was talking to her, and she said this. And then when we went through the whole situation, rehearsed it, she knew that she shouldn't have done that. And then when the person came along and they said whatever to her, we were all upset. And, and as you're going through all of this, we are trying to figure out heads or tails what you're trying to say. With everything in us, we're listening. About halfway through, we think that we land on what you're trying to say, and we try to offer some help. What do we say, guys? Oh, that's what you're going through. 
I can help you fix that. And you're mad. <laughs> Guys, it's a trap. <laughs> you're mad. You say, well, I just wanted you to feel what I am feeling. Girls, look at me. Guys are fixers, not feelers. I'm just trying to help everybody. If your dude is a feeler, turn in your man card over at guest services before you leave today. We're fixers. We want to fix stuff. Like some of the same ladies that are upset that they're, well, he's all emotionally uninvolved. He's not feeling. When you guys were dating, you used to brag about that same thing. Well, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. You said, oh, he's my rock. I'm all over the place, but he's so stable, and I can rely on him in the midst of all the junk going on in my life, didn't you? But let me tell you something about a rock. A rock is just kind of there. (laughs) So you might have been going through a storm in your life, and your man was just kind of there. And now that you're 10 years into a relationship and you're like, he's not emotionally there for me. My man is still a rock, but that just means, say it with me, he's just kind of, he's just kind of there. And so uh, thank God that we're different. We need to grow and feel a little bit more. Dudes, I get it. And ladies, you got to understand, like men are wired to help you in your life. But here's the big idea that I'm trying to say is that we're wired different, thank God. I want someone soft to curl up to you at the end of the night. Not anyway, in different sermon, but... (laughs) Ask that one at Easter, but here's the big idea. I'm not talking about marriage today. Uh, Next week, we'll actually talk a little bit about those type of relationships. Here's what I do want to say. There are some people that are difficult, and you might think of your spouse as a little difficult here and there. Kai and I think the world of each other, but um, uh, loud laughter. (laughs) We couldn't be more different in this world, but uh, thank God we have each other. Uh, Conversely, there are difficult people and there are difficult people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like people that like take pleasure in your unhappiness. I have personified them in different ways. Uh, One I call the Sherman tank because they will bulldoze you and run all over you in your life. There are people who are difficult like that. There are people who are the volcanoes in your life that if you start talking to them, they will blow up about anything. They have the Mount Etna anointing on their life. There are the megaphone people. I'm related to people like that. That if you start talking to them, they will talk your ear off. Or the megaphone people that if you tell them your business, everybody's going to know your business. You know what I mean? Difficulty. You're smiling because you might be sitting next to them. Okay. The crybabies. These are the people that cry and bawl and squall to you either because that's like a sport for them or on the other end, they're soliciting your sympathy, but like always, you know. Uh, How about the nitpickers? They are like perfectionists that are never satisfied. You could give them the Mona Lisa, and they're like, yeah, but she's scowling, you know. Um, The space cadets, many of you are related to space cadets. They're difficult just because, like, they're in their own planet. They're on their own wavelength. So we deal with difficult people, and I want to give a real definition for this. It's very profound. Who are difficult people? Rate this down. This is what I found to be true. Uh, Difficult people are any other people than me. You can quote me on that if you like, Uh, but I think any of us could quote ourselves on that. Uh, Difficult people are anybody else but me because the way you do it is different than how I would do it, and how you're even saying that bothers me. How could how I say it bother you? Like, I'm just, I'm doing it right, right? Yes. But I'm saying it wrong? Yes. Anybody else but you can be frustrating and even frustrate yourself, but the truth is this, difficult people are going to be a part of your everyday life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, what does the Bible have to say about this? The Bible says, remind everyone, so here it is, 
stop fighting over words. The Bible tells me to tell you that, so stop, knock it off. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach. And here it is, be patient with difficult people. That's God's call on your life, that you have to learn how to navigate these relationships because they're going to be in your life. When it says difficult people there, the Greek there is, yes, difficult people, but it means harsh people, hard people annoying people. These are the agitators in our lives, the competitors, the false accusers, the humiliators, the people that love to humiliate you just for their own satisfaction. These are the people that start family feuds and are involved in your own betrayal, that reject. These are the backbiters, the abusers, the bullies, the snobs. These are the one-uppers, your grumpy boss and your whiny co-workers difficult people, and the Bible says be patient with them. Now, for you, it might be your kids. You're not thinking of that. If you've got a cute little two-year-old, I've got a two-year-old daughter who's so much better than yours. I'm just being serious, and and she's just so beautiful and angelic, really, but I also was a youth pastor, and I remember what it was like to talk to parents about their teenager. Some of you in the room have teenagers, and you know what it's like to deal with with difficult people. In fact, eyes forward, don't let them know that you know, but it's a lot. And and sometimes your kids can be frustrating. I had a family member one time, and uh, she was a teenager, and she became Miss Pris about everything. And I said, I can't wait to meet you again when you're 25, because you're awful. And and I just, I was a pastor at that point too as well. And anyway, but uh, how about your ex-colleague? Maybe a difficult person who ran your name through the mud, who took clients away from you. Maybe you have a friend in your life, and they're a friend, but they've also kind of become your frenemy. Like, I love you so much, and I want to kill you. You know, like, why are you saying these things or doing these things? Maybe it's a boyfriend that got you pregnant and then split. Maybe it is that coworker who's working over time to frustrate your plans, who's working to get the promotion over you, and that's fine, but is doing it in a way that is just wrong. Maybe it is a relative that's spreading lies about you to your family running your name in the mud. Uh, Question, do you have anybody like that in your life? I don't think we have to reach far to realize most, if not all of us, are dealing with a difficult person. And life can be going so well. You can be enjoying your job, your life, your home life, and all of a sudden you'll have an interaction, a conflict, a frustration with a difficult person, whether it be a sibling, a coworker, or your spouse, and it feels like it throws everything off. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so I want to help you to deal with that today, but, but eyes forward, look at me for a second. This is a tough message. Like, you want me to preach on deep things. Deep is not confusing. Deep is hard to do, and that's today. Today's deep into the pool. And when I think about this message, honestly, especially after Easter, it's not number one on my list if you wanted to preach to grow a big church. It is number one on your list if you want to grow a big people, and that's what we're out to do here at New Chapels. We want you to be a person that has some depth to your walk with God. Say amen, somebody. This message has the aptitude, the potential there to set people free, and that's that's what I want. So what does the Bible have to say about dealing with difficult people? That passage in 2 Timothy doesn't end, so it says, be patient with difficult 
people. It says gently. In fact, that's the character of God. He's gentle with you. He's patient, right? Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Gang, I want to give you four thoughts today as we jump into this message. And again, they're going to be a little bit more challenging points. But if you assimilate these, I believe it's going to bring freedom. Let's jump in. Number one, people problems are, write it down, human problems. And you can write that however you'd like. Human problems are people problems, and people problems are human problems. They mean something different, and yet they both make the same point when you change that point around. It's part of life, and it's also the nature of people. Well, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. I'm dealing with this guy, and he's a different species of different people. Uh, I I told you I'm a dad. I actually have four kids, and uh, we love watching The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Like, we're really into it, and we love that drop that happens every Wednesday. And so as we were watching about this, uh, watching that uh, series, I thought about the series we're preaching and thought about how there are certain people who rub you the wrong way. I would call them sand people or better, maybe sandpaper people. And they're out to get you. They want to shoot you down. And there's different tribes. Some of them are only 100 grit. Some of them are 20 grit. Okay, like there are different grits to the people that are trying to agitate you. And you might think that they are completely different species. But friend, realize that you might be the 20 grit to somebody else's life. People problems are human problems. Humans face these problems because apart from God, y'all look at me, we are really messed up. In fact, the Bible says this in the book of James. I'm going to read it in a second, but let me say this about James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is someone who was very black and white because when Jesus was ministering on earth, he didn't think Jesus was the Messiah. And when, he, uh, when Jesus was, was uh, killed and buried and resurrected, in very short order, brother, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, James, accepted Christ. How much faith would it take for you to accept your brother as the Messiah? Okay, That's what James had to go through. And so he became very curt, very black and white about how he viewed things. This is what he says in James 4. He says, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire? that battles within you, you want something and you don't get it. What is he doing? You think it's just a simple verse, but it's very profound. Here's what James is doing. He's saying, in essence, we can't fix all the difficult people. And we can't stop difficult situations from knocking at your door. So what does God do? And James makes it clear. He takes it from being something that's in their hands to something that's in your hands. You can't control them. God is not going to put your happiness in the lap of anyone else. He's not going to put your future in the lap of anyone else. What does God want to do? God wants to be a person that says, hey, you want to change them. I want to work on you. And so your desires that battle within you, they're all kinds of different things. You, you want to fight sometimes, and it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you just want your way with something. These are things that we can fix. And James doesn't disagree that there are difficult people. There are difficult people. But what he says is, hey, they may never change, but you can change. Uh, my four kids are phenomenal, but Though they are pastor's kids, it doesn't mean that they are sinless. They are normal kids, and we're trying to raise them in a godly way. We believe that we are, 
but they're still buck wild. And, and they, they fight, okay? So I was watching this documentary this past week, and they're amazed that AI has the capacity to lie. And what they don't even think about, because they're not as intelligent as their machine, is that who taught them that? AI doesn't have a sinful nature. You're just revealing that you're a liar, and these are the people programming it. Anyway, I'm not impressed that AI can lie. Do you know why? I'm a dad. I have four kids, and they've been lying since they came out the mama. They've been lying. I mean, from the moment that they're a baby. They cry because they're hungry, but then they cry just because they want attention. Any moms know what I'm talking about? They know how to get their way. And so every once in a while, my perfect little cherubs start fighting over a toy or somebody hit me or somebody did something. And they come to me. They run to dad because they know, like, court is in session. I am like the celestial Judge Judy of the home, okay? And they love to get their word in first. They want to get it on record. I was just playing nice. I was reading the Bible. He came up and punched me, you know. Okay. And what I've learned is there's his side and her side and the truth. And so when I try to help them in this and they're fighting with one another, here's what I've realized. They've got to change. Some of what you were doing rubbed that dude the wrong way and vice versa. And yeah, there's something that somebody shouldn't have done. And sometimes it does come out of the blue. But when you try to help them and then they start yelling at you and screaming, parents, isn't that just the most wonderful thing to hear? And, and so I've realized that that might be the perspective of God. That we're like, change them. They are awful. You know, like, get them, Jesus. And, and, and yet he sees everything. And he says, yeah, but you're grown. You've been in the church a while. You've been saved longer. That shouldn't affect you so strongly. In fact, why don't you just give it to them? Well, they don't deserve it. Well, right. That's kind of like how we do things in the kingdom, you know. They didn't work for it. Hey, I agree. We should all work. But, you know, sometimes we get things that we didn't work for. And so God might be challenging the situation and, and realize this. He wants to grow you. Write it down. We keep trying to change everybody else, other people. God wants to change us. In fact, can I put it in maybe clearer verbiage? He wants you to change you. The highest form of relationship is when you judge yourself. He doesn't want the currency of your relationship with him constantly to be about, oh, God, forgive me for this sin. He wants you to start working on these things and growing and becoming so that you're a person who can get through and navigate through the difficult people that are behind every corner, mind you. Amen, somebody? I like what it says in Romans 12. It says this in verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Like, as far as it depends on you. Here's what I've realized in relationships. Boundaries, they begin with me. They be so we want to get along with everybody, but boundaries start right here in my life. Like, what am I going to do about it? I can't blame my lack of discipline on someone else's, uh, like, bad influence in my life. I, I have to develop boundaries to help me get to where God has called me to go. And so what I've also realized is, as, as much as it depends on you, right, like the Bible says, the most difficult person most times that you have to deal with is you. It's you. I mean, you are the most difficult person in your own orbit. You lie to yourself. You're like, Pastor, I don't lie to myself. Okay, one word, diet. Anybody else lie to themselves? I mean, you get on a diet, inevitably, somebody's having a birthday, and they got money. And they bring in an ice cream cake with three layers on it. Like, everything's bougie now. It's all carved out. looks like a kid, like, flying through the air. I don't know. And they're like, do you want some? And, and here's what you think. Like, well, I've been doing good. 
you, you're your own worst enemy. <laughs> you done lied to yourself. Here's another one. Well, I deserve it. Oh, Lord. Like you're just doing your own thing. And so you oftentimes are the most difficult person in your life. So you need to realize boundaries are a good thing. You need to self-feed. You need to pour into yourself so, so that you can grow. And you've got to learn to set your own boundaries in your life. What does that look like? You're going to have to tell people no. You're going to have to take certain relationships that might be in your life and remove them from your life. You might need to get some other ones to replace it. And I would say this, communicate your boundary. Don't assume that the other person knows it. Be a person that says, this, this is what's going on. Uh, I think about you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, these big holidays. We just uh, are recovering in the room from Easter. And, and big drama plays out in many people's lives. Or there'll be a tension to the day because of an in-law or, or somebody who's a brother-in-law or a sister-in-law, and they just have a loose mouth and they'll say whatever they want. And I want you to know it is okay to sever the relationship. Well, if we don't show up at Easter, Grandma's going to die. No, she's not. Tomorrow will come. You can go visit Easter for Grandma on a different day, but you don't have to subject yourself or your family to ridicule. Uh, wives, why don't you stand up for your man if your mom is emasculating your husband at these different meetings? Tell her to shut her mouth. If you keep this stuff going on, we're not coming to Easter. We had a family member that said, oh, if you don't come to Christmas, I'm going to die. They lived another five, six years just fine. <laughs> and now in heaven, they have full disclosure about why we had to do that. And it was a constant tension to manage. But listen to me. You might need to set a boundary in your life and say, no, I'm not going to let these people speak to me however they want. I'm going to display what self-respect looks like to my spouse and my children. And I'm going to say, no, that's not how this is going to go. Maybe you need to set a boundary for who comes over to your house. Maybe your kids, friends. Uh, Kai and I, we set a boundary a long time ago. We said, hey, you're not staying the night at anybody's house ever, right? Like I'm talking about their friends and buddies from school. Like you're not doing it. Now, a little trick with all this. Don't be the parents that just say no, no, no because of Jesus. Say no and then replace it with something else good. And here's the good. I'll spring for pizza. You have your buddy come over to my house. And I'll watch, and I'll make sure we have a good time. You'll never have a party like a Bevilacqua party. Let's, uh, let's have a riot. So it's not just no, it's no yes, and we'll replace it. But I'm, I'm going to step in. I'm not going to let my kids hang out with whoever they just end up hanging out with at school. Parents are like, well, wait, don't they need to make their own? Yeah, but there's also a thing called bad influence. I'm going to step in, sever. doesn't mean I'm condemning the kid to hell forever. <laughs> not at all. I'm just saying you can't talk to my kid. Can't hang out with them. They're not friends. Because listen to me, you got to raise godly kids. Well, I want them to be a witness in school. That's crazy. Listen to me. They can, a little bit, have an influence on their immediate friend circle. But if you expect to win uh, a whole high school to Jesus, your, your little teenager's going to do that? Did you do that? Wouldn't you be satisfied if your kid got out of high school, knew the Bible a little bit, had a life verse, loved the Lord, maybe served twice a month on the go? Like, that's really where we want to go with this thing so that they can be a witness in this world. We had a whole bunch of evangelicals send their kids off into school and let them be thrown like wolves to the slaughter, and it was a bad deal. you got to step in sever. If there's a teacher that's a bad influence, well, they need to learn how to deal with different personalities. Totally agree. My dad took the side of the teacher more than even listened to me. I get that. But listen to me. In 2023, you better weigh that out. It's not all just a challenging personality, which they should learn how to deal with. Some of it is they're crazy nuts, and you need to defend your kid from crazy nutso. 
And if it rubs the cat the wrong way, turn the cat around. That's country, but it's good preaching for a white boy. I don't know if this is going to make it to the podcast at all, but I told you it's going to be a hard message. Listen to me. You have to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries in this world. You can't fillet your family and yourself. Jesus Christ had strong boundaries. People have this imagination about Jesus that he was just buddy Jesus and he let people railroad him, say whatever, and he wouldn't say a word back. One time did he not reply because if he started to make his case to Pontius Pilate, Pilate never would have crucified him. One time he kept his mouth shut. Every other time documented when the Pharisees showed up and started casting shade on Jesus, he started casting shade on them. In fact, at one time he cleared out the temple. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out. Last week, we had somebody giving out free what would Jesus do bracelets, which is like so new chapel that those just show up one Sunday. What would Jesus do? Y'all look at me. He'd kick your butt. That's exactly what he'd do. He's not going to let people act however they want. He's going to say, no, you knock that off right now or I'm going to do something about it. Think about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Holy Messiah, God's Son, leaving the temple and taking the time and patience. I love the slow burn to fashion a whip. I'm going to get them all, God. I'm going to get them. <laughs> Jesus, what would Jesus do? Wha-pow! You know, some people have gotten upset over the years that we make people who want to serve back in kids get background checks, and they've gotten upset that we've got uh, cameras back there in every single classroom watching what everybody does. I'll tell you something. I think it's important. Do I uh, wish and long for the world where we didn't need some of those high standards? Absolutely. And I grew up in country church where we didn't need them. It was just the middle of Timbuktu. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was tough with this. And we put a pressure on our workers. We really do. And we say, hey, we're filming you. Now, that is both in case there was a little kid, not yours, that would lie and say something off color that wasn't true. We could bring accountability into the room. But also, there's accountability for our teachers. They know. In fact, I put it on them when I speak to those kids' teams, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. But I'll say it when we're doing a training, and I'll say, Jesus said it'd be better if a millstone was hung around your neck and you were thrown into the depths of the ocean than if you offended one of these little ones, took advantage of a little one. You hear me? And too many churches went soft on this, and they made their kids a faith experiment, and it's wrong. And so we have a high accountability. Jesus said, it'd be better if you were never born than if you offended one of these little ones. And so forgive me, we have a high standard, but I, this dude, has to stand before God and give an account for what we do here at this church. And I want to be able to go up there clean conscience, be like, we did everything we could. A high boundary. Amen, somebody? It's important. At the church that Kaya and I attended uh, years ago, there was a man, and he was... uh, he was found to be a pedophile, and he did the time, and he went through a process of rehabilitation. He had done this to family, and uh, years and years down the road, his kids had kids, and, and his wife invited them over for a sleepover, and uh, both parents, not just the, the, the you know, opposite of, of what the spouse's parent would be, you know, they, they both were on the same page and said, well, we really don't want that. Not that we don't forgive grandpa, not that we don't love grandpa, like we've come a long way, thank God, but we don't want him to stay. And the grandma and then the, and the whole faction of the family got on the same side. Well, is that the love of God? Is that the love of God to do that to someone? Is that really forgiveness? Listen to me. 
Yes, it is. Let me tell you about the love of God. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9. What does the Bible say? Everyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. They're not saved. Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Romans 16. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. There's people who are crazy makers. They'll create obstacles just for you. Avoid them, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 5, this really is apropos. Now I'm rating you not to associate with anyone who is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or who's an idolater a reviler, a drunk, or a swindler. Don't even eat with that person. Y'all look at me. I have a family member who is an alcoholic, and they have recovered, and I believe that they're set free. You're not staying the night at this person's house. It's not what we're going to do. As for a person who stirs up division, you warn them once, and then twice. Here's what the Bible says. This is your permission. Have nothing, nothing to do with them. I'm not doing this game. Well, isn't the love of God to be gracious? That's number one. And then number two is like super gracious, and then we're done. I'm not doing this. We have enabled older people to grow older and not grow up because they are travel agents for guilt trips on you, making you feel like if you miss a holiday, it's the cardinal sin. No, raising your kid to be a person that thinks in that paradigm, that generational curse that must be broken, that's what has to be dealt with here. Amen. What about forgiveness? Hey, forgive. And this has to be weighed out. I'm not saying that if somebody dealt with a sin in the past that you deal with in the same way from the gospel of Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them. But if you as a dad or mom have a check in your heart and you're like, I don't want them doing it, don't make your kids a faith experiment. You don't need to prove what a forgiving and loving Christian you are by submitting them to something like that. You be free from all of that. Say amen, somebody. Christian, God has not called you to abuse. God has not called people to walk all over you. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross for you to live a life where you are a victim. Set a boundary, sir. Set a boundary, ma'am. You guard your spouse, yourself, and your children. Amen? Amen. All right, got to press on. Told you it would be rough. Romans 12, same passage. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with it. If it is possible. You know what that tells me? It's not always possible. It's not. There are going to be people who will not listen to reason, who won't come to terms with you. And there's some people, it is, they'll just, they will make it impossible. Luke 6, 35, the Bible says, love your enemies. And there's more I want to say that in a second. But write this down. People problems are human problems. What do you need to do? You need to choose to love. Well, what does that have to do with what you've just been talking about? Everything. Everything you got to love your spouse and your kids before you love your extended family, and that's where those boundaries come into play. Love is to do it God's way. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, that was my longest point. The rest of them go pretty quick. Write this down, number two. We need to stop planning to retaliate. Stop planning to retaliate. Now, this might be a person who's literally making plans to do something, but more often than not, you know what happens is we start planning what we would have said. Some difficult person hits us, and we allow them to occupy realty in our head. And we start saying, well, the next, and I do this. I'm famous for doing this. I'll be driving in a 55, and I'll be saying, like, well, if they say this, I'm going to say that. Checkmate, you know? What would you say then, you know? Well, how about this? 
bet you didn't know that fact, you know. And I'm talking to myself, and I'm playing it out. I'm going to 55. I look down, I'm going 85 miles an hour. It's like, oh, Lord, I deal with this just like you. You have to stop planning your retaliation as well. Like, don't retaliate. We're not talking about national interests. We're not talking about defending yourself. Different message. Talking about difficult people. Stop planning to do it and stop doing it all together. So what are we going to do? We're going to stop talking about all the bad things they are and all the bad things we're going to do them. Write it down. We're going to use our words to bless. That's what the word bless means if you're an extra note taker. Bless means to speak well of. In fact, a curse or a cuss is when you say a negative thing. So we're going to be done doing that. We're not going to say negative things like that. We're going to say positive things. We're going to bless with our words. And so it's fun to gossip. It's fun to talk smack. I just admit it. Like it is, It's also toxic. It's never going to do you well. It's going to carve you out on the inside. And so we're going to speak well of our boss. We're going to speak well of our coworkers. We're going to speak well of our neighbors. What does the Bible say in 1 Peter 3? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when insults, uh, uh, with insults when people insult you. And I wish the Bible just stopped right there. <laughs> ah, instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he'll grant you his blessing. Okay, really hard because you don't want to do it. Everything in you, it's like, okay, I'm the best Christian on earth just because I'm not like laying a smack down, okay? God says it's not just even that. It's not even just not retaliating. It's to break the back of this in your life. Why don't you bless them? Why don't you send them a little gift basket? Why don't you send them a check? Why don't you, why don't you say something great about, you look nice today. I got to go. You know, I mean, just something, <laughs> something in their life. And, and, and my nature is completely opposite from all of this. When some people are difficult with me, I want to give them that five-fold ministry in Jesus' name. You know, like I just, that's how I feel but I can't do what I feel. You can't do what you feel. We got to pay them back with a blessing. And dads, I'm going to put the challenge on you. You lead the way with this. There are political tensions in our world, and I have slipped up and said too much, and all of a sudden my kids are given a pretty funny soliloquy about politics, and I don't want that culture in my home. And we can oppose people politically, and I do. We can, we can have real beliefs about culture, and how to lead a family and how not to. But we dads, come on, let's lead the way. Guard your mouth and how you speak about others, your work, your life, your government, other people in your orbit. Let's lead the way with all of this. God has modeled that for all of us. He speaks life over us. He speaks life-giving words over us. And our God, he created the whole world with his words. And the truth is that's how you need to shape your world. Write it down. We create our world with our words. So speak words of blessing. Wash out all those words that are death and condemning and cursing. Amen, somebody. Number three, tough message. Overlook offenses as much as possible. Oh, this one's like the worst. Because uh, if it wasn't over and over and over again in Scripture, I literally wouldn't preach it in this message. But it is untenable to not bring it up when you're talking about difficult people. You have to overlook offenses. And listen, Jesus says in uh, Luke 17, he says, it's impossible that offenses won't come into your life. Like it's a guarantee from heaven, offenses are going to come. And I, I think they come regularly, every day even sometimes. I mean, just knocking at the door of your heart. You are going to be offended. But what you have to do, this is crazy, you have to overlook, you have to overlook those offenses. 
What does that look like? Again, this is not a nation not responding, defending itself. This is not uh, you not defending your person. But this is, in the course of life, difficult people, normal situations. There's a lot of things you can overlook. Let me show you. Proverbs 10, the Bible says this. Love overlooks the wrongs that others do. When a fool is annoyed, he blows up Facebook. I mean, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people, what are they going to do? They're going to ignore an insult. And some people can be just insulting. A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, you might be right. You, you might could prove your point. But you're going to get into a fight with a pig, and the pig loves the dirt. You have to be a person that makes a decision to believe the best in them. And, and the number one secret to doing it, it is the word empathy. Write it down. I will do good to others by having empathy. You need to have empathy. I will do good to others by having, write in that word, empathy. This is not a natural word for someone like Joe Bevilacqua, okay? I am a tough guy. I am a justice guy to the max. But I have to begin to believe there is something that happened in their life that made them that way. And I have to be innocent in that, and it is difficult. So when somebody cuts me off on 131, I have begun to say, well, maybe they got some bad news at home, and they're rushing home to help somebody. And even Kaya, who is probably the sweetest person on earth, should be like, you know that didn't happen. I'd be like, I need to believe that right now because it's going to help me, okay? I'm overlooking that. The old me and Kaya, be quiet. I would have, <laughs> I would have been riding a vehicle with like, a, like a, the desire to have a harpoon to blast and get them and track them down. And, oh, it's so funny. Uh, it was a couple of months ago, early spring, early, early spring, and we were at Target which is Target for French people. And we were at the one in uh, Granville because that's the bougiest. And uh, so we're there and we go shopping. And, and so I've got the whole family in there. We commuted the crazy to go shopping and we're pulling out. And I drive now like an old man. I used to be like sports car dude, like let's go. Now I'm taking these wide turns and everything. And, and so my whole family's in there. And how many of y'all know whether you're a slow or fast driver, there are people that when you get into their lane or you pull out from uh, an entry point on uh, an expressway, there's plenty of space for you to be able to speed up. Everything would be fine. But they see you, and at the sight of you, they're offended that you exist. And so they start to, like, speed up to try to prove the point, you won't slow me down. Crazy. Difficult people. And, and, and so in times past, I used to be a person to return the favor in many ways. Well, at Target, I'm pulling out, and this guy sees that, and he begins to speed up on me. And I went straight ghetto nuevo. I went rump like that. I start to open the door. I'm, I'm ready to dot the guy. And Kaya says, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you're a pastor. And so I had to stop. <laughs> ready to dot a guy, teach him something at Target with all of my family there. And so I get it. That will knock at your door just like it is mine. I hope you're more spiritual than your pastor and you're not ready to get into a fight. But choose to overlook that junk. It will bring peace into your life. Amen, somebody? Number four, write it down, approach conflicts redemptively, redemptively. Ephesians 4, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. These difficult people, conflicts will rise up. I, I could just promise you that. But when they do it, you need to approach them differently than you did in the world. And, and that tells me we need to release the situation to God 
by forgiving. Release the situation to God by forgiving. Write that down. It's massive that, that you do have to forgive. And I am a justice person. It's like, find out who did the wrong. Let's talk it all out and make them pay. Right? I love that. And that thought line is funny. It's fun. But it's never, it's never done well for my soul. I've got to move past that. It's not that we don't pursue justice. We certainly do. But there's got to be a higher order that we do it. I think we need a joke at the, this point in the message. Uh, can I tell you one of my up north jokes? Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. So Okay. Um, this one's about Croton Cliff and Roosevelt from White Cloud. Uh, these are people I grew up with, I'm sure. And, and so they were at the Topps Diner in White Cloud. And Croton Cliff walks in, and all of his buddies are there, Nuego Newt and others. And he's got a big bulge in his short up near his chest. And they say, hey, Croton Cliff, why you got that big bulge in your shirt? And he said, I got dynamite strapped to my chest. And they kind of step back like, why do you have dynamite strapped to your chest under your shirt? He says, well, every time we have breakfast... You have Roosevelt from White Cloud comes in. He slaps me on my chest. He busts up all my cigars. And so I'm going to blow up his hand the next time he does that. That's funny. I don't care who you are, everybody. (laughs) Here's why it's funny. That's how a lot of us look spiritually. You're going to get him. And you end up blowing yourself up way worse, trying to make your vengeance happen for yourself. Friend, God has a higher order. When you forgive, you set a prisoner free. This is true. It's not even them. Most often, the prisoner is you. That realty that they occupy in your head, it goes away. You can concentrate. That's the biggest theft. It steals your focus as a dad, as a mom, as a business person, because you're thinking about how somebody wronged you, and you're living out of that. But they're really, 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 really wrong, Pastor Joe. Look at me. I really, 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 really know. And it's not that forgiving them is justifying that junk. It's not. It's not letting them off the hook on what they did. In some cases, they might have to have some legal repercussions for what they did. But listen to me. you got to let it go out of you. You can't carry that junk. In God's perspective, you'll never have to forgive anyone more than he already forgave you. Mark 11. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven, this is crazy, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And if you don't, let's just be straight in our relationship. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Well, Pastor Joe, that doesn't sound grace. Those are the words of Jesus. Anything against anyone. It's not justifying what they did. Hear me. It's saying I forgive them because I don't want any part in that junk. Write it down. Forgiveness won't change the past. What will it do? It'll change your future. It might not change anything about your relationship with them. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. In many cases, you cannot reconcile the situation. It's great if it can happen. I love it when I hear those stories. But in some cases, it's such a grievous offense that happened that that you can't reconcile. Everybody get back together. No, things are going to be different from here on out. And that's okay. Can't change what happened. But I'm going to live in a different way. I'm going to change my future and the future of my family. And listen to me. If you haven't forgiven, it's on you. 
You heard the scripture. It's massive. This is deep into the pool. We're now like treading water, everybody. It's on you. You got to do it. Pastor, I need help with this. Friend, me too. We all do. And that's why I'm telling you to write it down. You need to pray. Pray that God will work in this conflict. Pray that God will work in your heart and in your life. And I know some of you, because I know my church, you're saying, well, Pastor Joe, I do pray. All right, what are you praying? I pray the flies of a thousand camels find their armpits in Jesus' name, you know? <laughs> I, I pray for them. You're like, I pray that they would get hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids in Jesus' name. Hemorrhoids, God. God, let them get hemorrhoids on their armpits. Hemorrhoids, God. Some of y'all wish you had a superpower, you know, like bees, bees, bees on these, you know, like you just wish you could send a plague or something. And uh, y'all heard about the, the old time or the old holier than thou guys as well. You just got to pray for him and God will give you a scripture. Well, God gave me a scripture. It's Psalm 56. Oh God, break the teeth of the wicked, you know, like, <laughs> ah. And that's not what that means, by the way. <laughs> what does it mean? It means that we got to pray for them. We got we to gotta forgive them. And this is literally an exercise, my friend, where it may or may not have an effect on them, but it will have an effect on you. It'll change you. It'll soften your heart. You'll be free, and that's what you need. David, the great psalmist, he would start out his psalms, and you can do this. He'd be praying to God. He'd be talking about the wicked are so awful, God. I wish you could smite them with your power. You know, he's just so upset, and he's praying for God to just, just get them, get them all, wipe them all out. But by the end of it all, he's like, oh, God, have your way. And if there's any wicked way in me, show me. That's what you want, a real relationship with God where you can say it's not right, and God might just agree with you. It ain't right you can forgive them and let me deal with them. God has the perfect people to deal with those people that are awful, evil, difficult people. You know what they're called? Sinners. They'll deal with them. You gotta let it go. You've gotta be free. It's so important. And so we need to pray. They might not change, but you will. I wanna give you one last scripture, one last point, pray for us. The Bible says this in Matthew. This is going to take the whole thing and put it together. You have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. By the way, that's in the Bible. That's Old Testament. The Jews loved that. They believed in it. That was the law. In fact, the Roman forces that were occupying Israel, they had a God of vengeance. It worked in tandem. What does Jesus say? I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And in that way, you'll be acting as true children of your heavenly Father. What is he saying? He's saying what we brought out to you today. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Write it down. Love, bless, do good, and pray. These are all my options today. Choose to love. Use your words to bless. I will do good to others by having empathy. Pray for God to work in our conflicts. That's the option. I'm not going to fight the way the world fights. I'm not going to treat difficult people the way the world treats them. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Say it with me. Love, bless, do good. Say it again. Love, bless, do good. That's it. That's, those are your options. You, you zero in on that, and here's the truth. 
when you lean into that process, God can make it so even when the worst offenders come in, you can be free. Difficult people are a part of your everyday life. And when you learn how to handle them in a godly way, you'll be free. And that's what God has for all of us today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. Lord, as I bring this message forward, I know that there are people in the sound of my voice and they have a person sticking out in their head, somebody who was their offender, somebody who has frustrated them, who went too far. And God, I pray for grace in this moment. Lord, if they have anything against anyone, God, I pray that they forgive right now. Release them. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the ability to love the unlovable. God, find a way to deal with really annoying people. And in that, show this world, God. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. God, I pray for a boldness for people in my church to make peace. Lord, there are moms and dads right now that when they heard this message, they know they need to raise up a godly boundary. God, I pray for the the boldness to set that boundary, even if it makes people upset. God, I pray that as they do it, they trade popularity for respect. God, I thank you that generational curses are broken as parents make hard decisions. God, I pray for my people. Help them navigate this with grace. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just one more thing. If you came to church today and you're hearing a message like this, it resonates with you, but you'd say, Pastor Joe, my life's not right with God. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a friend. It's making Jesus Lord, the boss over your life. It's giving your life back to the God who made you. The Bible says that you'll be saved. That means you'll have eternity in heaven, yes, but you'll have a relationship with the God that made you today. You'll have freedom today. It's not that everything will be perfect, but he'll make all things new. So if you want that freedom, if you want a relationship with God, it's found by calling Jesus Lord. Church, I want you to pray this with those people who are going to be saying this for the first time. Say this is a declaration of your faith. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those people that accepted Christ? Praise God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week, guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.